All right. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Website Intelligence Podcast. Uh, by the way, I'll just uh, tell you from the start, don't forget to subscribe. We are a new show on the market, trying to push around subjects like business digital in the analytics sphere. And uh, today we have Dan Knowlton, who is uh, the owner of Knowlton Agency. They're doing lots of interesting stuff in the digital marketing area. He's uh, pretty popular on LinkedIn as well, and they have their own uh, podcast, which we are we will talk about business anchors. Uh, by the way, my colleague Matt, I know he knows a bit more information about him because they interacted a bit more on on, on LinkedIn. So, Matt, why don't you carry carry on? Yeah. So I've just I know Dan's work from all the videos uh, on LinkedIn, the uh, the whole infotainment approach. Um, but prior to talking about all of this kind of thing. Can you just tell us a little bit about growing up, like what that was like, what was different for you um, and what maybe influenced where you are today? Yeah, so, so I grew up in sunny Margate, which is a kind of seaside town, seaside town in the furthest southeast point of the UK. I guess my uh, background story is pretty boring in the sense that I had just a very nice supportive family that um, and I'm very sort of fairly privileged life that that was fairly boring there was you know there wasn't anything drastic that happened um other than just having a very supportive family whilst growing up which enabled me to 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 do my best throughout school and <laughs> that kind of thing um i guess i also had uh my dad has always been in business so he had his own manufacturing consultancy so i guess i always saw him uh running his own business and looked up to that as and kind of aspired to eventually hopefully one day have my own business which i now have with my brother which is really cool perfect so i, I was, was going to ask you because uh usually marketers they're coming from such a diverse background had did you always wanted to be a marketer or you had also other aspirations during your your grow up yeah um, to be honest, no. <laughs> I, looking back, you know, like uh, at school, you have those careers meetings where people, you sit down with an expert and they sort of say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I just remember not knowing at all, really, not not knowing what I wanted to do. I just knew, um, I guess one thing I thought about was having my own business in the future. Obviously, the naive uh, approach of not having a clue what that would be in or, you know, focused on. But yeah, it wasn't like I grew up thinking I want to be a fireman or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It was it was just sort of accidentally trying different things and and having a key focus of business, which which eventually sort of took me to starting the agency with my brother. It's interesting, again, that you talk about this, um, the whole fact that your father had a business as well, because I think we've this is the fifth podcast we're recording. And out of those four people have said exactly the same thing. And Dragos really? as well is in that situation. Yeah, I'm the only one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But, yeah, I mean, how yeah. how does like tangibly how 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 would you say that kind of influence kind of starts to come into your consciousness? Like, what kind of experiences did you have? I I guess just uh, you know spending time grow like I think in my early years so my dad sort of worked away quite a lot originally when he was younger he didn't have his own business and he worked um he ran like a big manufacturing plant and at that time he worked away a lot in france um but as i grew older and he started his own business he was around a lot more and we uh, it's just a case of like talking and finding out what he was doing and 
hearing about that really and, and kind of seeing the flexibility of having your own business um and I guess again that that kind of naive thing of being young and just wanting to be like your dad which sounds really stupid but um yeah I guess that was it I remember once also there was a post that you I don't know if it was a video or a post that you had on LinkedIn a while back where you mentioned like the role that he had played to a degree in some elements of your business like what mm. kind of shape did that take and and kind of how important do you think that was yeah really important so so when we started out probably six or seven years ago um he was and he still is now he's like probably our, our biggest mentor in terms of guiding us along that journey he's someone who has been there and done it in terms of starting his own business and i guess he just fast-tracked our progress because he'd made a lot of the mistakes that we could have potentially made and advised us along that journey um so even like i remember starting out uh things to do with like pricing how do you as a as a marketeer or consultant how do you set out your pricing um you know processes the different elements of a business that make it a success he was kind of there advising us because he'd been there done it got the t-shirt um that kind of fast-tracked our progress i guess super stuff so <clears throat> basically you always uh seem to have this grasp on on business side of side of things because obviously you got it from from your parents i can say that i'm I'm finding myself also in the same situation, being exposed to business meetings and business operations while I was was a kid. But to be honest, in my case, during high school, like also you mentioned that I wasn't aware I would have been a marketer after. But what was your first kind of job? Let's say your first university job, if you had one, and then the, yeah. first, the post uni, uni, uni job. So I, my first job was when I was, I think I was 13. I did a paper round, the classic job when you're a 13 year old. Um, so yeah, started doing a paper round. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, my first job out of uni, I did a graduate scheme at a company called Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So I uh, did a graduate scheme there where they basically train you up to learn how to run a, a car rental branch. So all, all the different areas of running a business like sales, management, customer service, operations. It was, it was really thrown at the, in at the deep end of actually managing all of that stuff and learning how to do it. Um, and that was probably one of the stages of my career that I learned the most in, in terms of uh, running a business because, yeah, as I say, just thrown at the deep end having to do it, which was, was quite interesting. And what would you say, like, I, I know a little bit about this, but I won't throw any spoilers in there. <laughs> but what would you say would, would, are like kind of two or three, like kind of key, like kind of like epiphany type moments, mm. like within your kind of early jobs and those roles that kind of led you to then, you know, take the big leap of faith and, and set up uh, Knowlton alongside Lloyd? Yeah, so I mean, I've spoken about this before, but I, I basically in that in that job I just mentioned, I worked there for a year, and within that year I got promoted twice, which were two of the kind of fastest promotions in the company, um, to assistant manager, and I basically got promoted too quickly, and I was out of my depth, and I ended up having a bit of a breakdown a year in and quitting my job and moving back in with my parents, um, and uh, I guess that was a pretty pivotal moment because. It was hugely stressful um, trying, like I got to a stage where I was managing a team of eight people, 250 cars, and I'd only been in the job for like nine months. Um, and I was way out of my depth and it was just incredibly stressful. So I ended up just quitting 
and having a bit of a breakdown. And I guess that was that was quite a pivotal moment. Um, then, in terms of other pivotal moments, I always think of moments throughout kind of our journey of of starting and building Knowlton around uh, kind of winning customers because my role at Knowlton is 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 uh, CMO so I'm I'm heading up all of the kind of marketing and sales to do with our business and um, I always remember like along that journey we've had kind of stepping stone clients you know when we started out we started working with very small local businesses your local hotel your local local cafe or restaurant and along that journey uh, like I remember one of our first kind of clients that people may have heard of Eurotunnel um, I remember us winning them as a client and literally jumping for joy with Lloyd, calling him. <laughs> he was at a service station and we were like literally over the moon because that was the first moment to us where it was like an actual company that people have, may have heard of is trusting us to, to deliver, you know, marketing campaigns for them. Um, and then since then, we've gone on to work with bigger brands like FIFA and Wall. And each of those mo like kind of stepping stone clients have been big moments of joy for us, really, of like, wow, these these brands trust us. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I can imagine how excited that must be. Um, it's funny, like you talk about, I know you've talked about this probably endlessly with lots of people, but it's um, from my own experience and from a lot of people I know, it's often this like, um, what's the word, like uncomfortable growth phase that ends up in some kind of back, like um, breakdown or kind of like backtracking that then just acts as such a platform to then actually go to where you want to go. You're, you're so right. And like looking back at that situation, I remember my key, key motivation after that when I moved back in my parents was like, I never want to be in that situation again where I feel that stressed and that out of depth um, I never want to like work for a company and, and feel like that again. So that was my motivation of like, right, we're going to start this business. We have to make this work because I don't want to be calling my parents up crying and moving back in with them again. <laughs> so it's literally like we make this work and that's the only choice we have. And I think that's that's what's helped us along the way. And, and also having an amazing business partner, which is uh, my brother, who's got a completely opposite set of skills to me, has really helped us to uh, like work well together. Um, along that journey as well. Cool stuff, then, and thanks for for sharing the your journey up until now. Up until now, what I would like to also to my our audience to to know about you is tell us a bit your about your current role. What is uh, Notal Agency doing uh, mostly, and also tell us a bit more about your podcast as well. It would be such such interesting thing. Sure. So so our our. Uh, agency Knowlton is focused on producing really creative video and social content and running paid social media ads all to drive trackable e-commerce sales, leads, website traffic, that kind of thing. In terms of where my role within that, my role is focused around all of our own marketing. So uh, ensuring that we have everything set up to effectively bring in enough business to help us on our 10-year plan of growth. We've got like a 2030 plan, which started in 2020, and it's a 10-year growth plan. So I'm responsible for ensuring that happens. Um, uh, in terms of the Business Anchors podcast, so February 2020, we wanted to do a bit of an experiment. And in terms of our marketing, we always focus 20% of our kind of marketing resource on trying and testing something completely new. And in February 2020, that test was a podcast. We listen to a lot of marketing podcasts. There's some great ones out there, but we saw a bit of a gap in the market because 
there's there was lots of informative marketing podcasts but th there wasn't many that were that like fun or entertaining to listen to so we thought you know what let's try and create a podcast that's interesting entertaining uh like will make people laugh and, and that kind of thing but is also really value adding and educational informative and we started business anchors to give you a, an idea of where we kind of pitched the podcast we wanted to call it business wankers but we knew it, <laughs> the algorithms wouldn't help uh, wouldn't allow us to rank for that term so we called it business anchors and the the logo has a big anchor in front of the a to make it look like business wankers and it, it's just every week my, my as i say my brother and uh, who's also my co-founder and I sit down and talk through different topics around things we're learning whilst growing our marketing agency, strategies that are working, uh, things that are happening in the marketing world. Um, and yeah, so that was an experiment in February 2020. We did that for a whole year and it didn't make much money. We didn't attract many opportunities that were mentioning the podcast. So we, we were losing quite a lot of money. Eventually, we won a six-figure contract that directly mentioned the podcast. And we were like, ah, we're onto something here. And now almost all of our new business mentions business anchors in some capacity. So it's a pretty big deal for us now. Do you, do you, do you kind of um, like see this like podcast um, as part of kind of like a broader kind of growing in public type initiative? Because obviously you do behind the scenes stuff. You do some of these kind of funny, quirky videos as well. Is it like a deliberate strategy to go, actually, we want to kind of publicly like grow as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think part of, for those who like follow our content and stuff, they'll know that a key part of our brand is a kind of no BS approach to talking about what we do and talking about marketing. I think with marketing as a whole, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and BS out there. And our approach, which I think has helped us uh, to build an all right size audience of people that, that want to consume our content is that we will just say things how it is and sort of talk about uh, authentically talk about our experience of things that are working things that aren't working um so yeah i think that, that that's a key kind of part of what we do um yeah well thanks for sharing and uh, i think uh, in terms of the background we've pretty much covered the first uh, first segment of our of our podcast, I think we can move on to the, the second segment where we are talking about more about websites. We're getting mm -hmm. down to the nitty and gritty. And uh, let us know, do you have a website? And if yes, what's your uh, role? What's the role of the, your website? How are you going about uh, thinking about your website? Yeah, sure. Yes, we do definitely have a website, noltonmarketing.co.uk. Um, in terms of the role it plays, it, it plays a few really important roles for us. So I'd say um, one of the key roles it plays is it's, it's, it's a place that, um, that people or potential customers go to, to get a deeper understanding of what we do and to, to, uh, that builds a bit more trust with, our, with, with them, basically. So uh, we produce a lot of content on social media that helps um, reach new audiences. When we peak people's interest enough the next phase of that customer journey is normally to go to our website and, and have a bit more of a look at what we do we've got lots of great case studies there and more detailed information about our values and and, and what the business is all about um so that's one part in terms of like sort of i'd call it sort of middle of funnel trust building uh, piece of content our website um it also helps us reach new audiences as well through being found through search um uh, and uh, it's also, I guess, the, the third key thing is it's the place that we ho we host our Business Angus podcast. 
which again, in the last, this has probably been in the last year, we used to just publish our podcast uh, on, a, on Buzzsprout, which is a hosting platform that then sent it out to Apple and Spotify and all the other, all the po- other podcasting players. Now we do do that, but we then embed that and do a write-up on our website so that whenever we're driving traffic for, to people to listen, it's all driven to our website. The good thing about that is that some of that traffic then starts to have a look around our website and look at our case studies and look at what we do. So again, it helps with that trust building phase. So I'd I'd say those three key kind of areas, uh, uh, reaching new customers, building trust with with potential customers and hosting our podcast. And so with that last one, with, with the kind of like the hosting of your podcast there, are you kind of like tangibly seeing as opposed to this kind of like, um, what's the word, like self-attributed, like like reference to the podcast, are you seeing like direct, like trackable user flows of we've come in here to watch this, we've gone there, and then we've done this? Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's, I mean, because it is still fairly new, we've actually started to see more traffic come to our site from key, like using Google Search Console from keywords that that are to do with our podcast episodes um which is uh, is interesting as well so yeah people like there's definitely a percentage of traffic which is going to the podcast and then we can track like you say that user flow from looking at the about page on our website looking at our our client case studies and things sorry yeah i was just uh, going to to ask you because we are we just recently started in this new podcast business and obviously there are lots of people now just trying at least or looking at uh, starting to generate to generate content as much as much because nowadays it's content is king it's even so last last five years maybe but now it's even even more i was just looking at this example of mr beast yeah maybe you you heard about him mm-hmm. it's crazy man i was looking he he started this burger joint and literally his first restaurant was ten thousand people were were there at the opening it's crazy so Business are starting are starting now actually being content first and then actually only after delivering the product itself. How do you go about? How do you go? And I'll 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 leave you to it. How do you go about uh, actually generating content? Where do you find your inspiration on a day to day basis? These sort of things. Yeah, so I think you bring up a really good point that there's a there's we're starting to notice creator led brands really popping. So like. Like you mentioned, Mr. Beast, he started his burger restaurant. Uh, he sold like 10 million pounds worth of burgers. He's got Crazy. his um, chocolate bar festivals. There's there's yeah. other creators like the Sidemen. There's creators like, uh, well, creators or influencers like Kim Kardashian, who has Kylie skins. Jenner, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kylie Jenner, yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah, we're starting to see a lot more of that. And I think the reason for that is because um, those creators have done the hard part of, of, of um, having a successful business that sells lots of product. They've built an audience of people that give a shit about what they say, which is why they're now, you know, now creators start to think, hmm, I have this big audience of people who care about what I say. Now I'm going to start selling them product. Whereas a normal business would would do it the other way around, think of a problem that's in the world, try and solve it with a product or service, then try and create an audience. Um, so that, that that's, that's why I see kind of creator-led brands growing. In terms of where we get our inspiration from, it's a lot of it, it's a lot of things outside of our industry. Um, so TikTok is a place that we get a lot of inspiration from. Uh, you know, YouTubers, creators. This is this is why uh, I think it's important to get inspiration from creators and and people on TikTok and people outside of your industry because they've they've cracked the code of creating content and getting attention, 
right? So if you can emulate what they're doing and create content that builds audiences of people that actually give a shit about you, then as a brand, you can start to monetize that audience. So, so yeah, definitely getting inspiration from outside our industry has been key. I think one um, really good example of a brand who, who've actually kind of taken this kind of, not really a creator first approach, but like an audience first approach is like Heights. Do you know Heights, the, the, the supplement? Yes. Because mm. they always talk, I think it's Dan, I can't remember his surname now, who, who founded the company. He always mm. talks about this journey whereby they first engaged and built an audience and then mm. they kind of developed a product around that and then kind of activated that audience to start selling to. Yeah. Something I, something actually on Heights. So my, one of my best friends signed up to that. And I guess something I struggle with, with those kind of supplement brands is the evidence that, that, or the, or the difficulty in proving that their product delivers on its promises. So like, let, from my understanding, Matt, that Heights is like a brand where they, they kind of do like a subscription based nutrition supplement kind of thing that is meant to be good for improving productivity and, and that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. I guess my, my only question as a marketer with my like marketing hat on is to, to convince someone to buy your product and service, you need to prove to them that it delivers on its promises. I guess, how are they, how are they proving that that tiny element in that tablet has made you feel slightly more awake in the morning? Cause there's so many variables that impact how we feel as humans. I guess that's my, always been my question around brands like that. You know, they say that it can do this and that, but, you know, having an extra hour sleep could potentially be, have been the thing that made you feel better that day, not having this tablet. Do you know what I mean? Like it's... it's 100%. I think, yeah, this, is it's what, I think this is why it's a, an interesting business model, right? Because they've gained the trust of the audience through the educational side of thing first. Like we want to help you become healthier generally. Mm. And then mm. eventually slowly over time, and I think it was like a year, 18 months after they build that audience, then it was like, and hey, we've fallen upon this thing that we think can really help. And they already yeah. had that trust there in place. Yes. And it's interesting. Yeah, sorry, I was just, just going to add uh, on that because I re recently read this article on Business of Fashion, I believe. And uh, they were studying these two brands, if you remember back in the day, I'm not sure if you're listening to hip hop or not, but they were, mm -hmm. studying, they were studying the brands launched by Jay-Z and launched by Puff Daddy. So we were talking about Rockaware, and then Sean yeah. John, if you remember this, old, or even Fubu, yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah, Fubu, wow, it's Fubu, a blast yeah. from the past. It's a crazy. So <laughs> compared to the other classical brands, the only thing because those brands were pushed by content content creators in a mm. way, they didn't have this social uh, social channels that exist now, anyways. But uh, but they didn't manage to have a continuity and actually strive through through history or remain relevant. That's my only thing with the creator uh, creator first brands because they maybe they struggle to be a bit relevant because obviously trends come and go and not all the time creators uh, stay the same. They come and go, you know, based on trends. Now with TikTok, it's it's uh, it's fashionable. Okay, we're looking at TikTok on TikTok. There are just few few uh, personalities. What are your thoughts revolving this this area? I think I think it's a really good point. I think the the key thing with which is a really important point to make with like these creator led brands is that for them to have longevity that whatever they're selling actually needs to be good. Because it's pointless Kim Kardashian coming out or Kylie Jenner coming out with a cosmetics brand. You know, yes millions of people would buy it initially, but if it's not actually good, people won't keep coming back. So it is it's really important that um 
creators aren't just trying to make a quick buck by tapping in, like seeing a trend in something and coming up with a crappy product and trying to flog it. Because as consumers now, we can we can see that inauthenticity a mile off. Like I guess the early ages of early stages sort of influencer marketing when people, you know, influencers from like the only ways Essex would flog teeth whitener. At that point, people would be like, oh, that's Joey Essex. I'm going to buy that product because he definitely loves teeth whitener. Now, obviously, as time's gone on and we've realized that people are getting paid to say certain things or promote certain brands, as humans, you, you start to understand like, ah, there's there's a different motivation that isn't just them actually liking the product. Um, so uh, so that, that authenticity is really key. And also actually ensuring that the product or service that you se- you're selling is actually good. Like, for example, a, a lot of creators are actually teaming up with experts, not developing their own products. So, for example, like KSI and Logan Paul's Prime Drink. So I don't know if you've seen this, but they, they obviously uh, have launched Prime, which is like a, a competitive like Gatorade. And it's been huge online. And it looks like it's their brand, but it's not. If you look like I've seen videos on TikTok where people have looked up the company that made the product. It's just it's just another company. It's nothing to do with them. They're just kind of the the poster boys of that brand. But it's a really effective strategy to, you know, if, if you've got an audience of people that that listen to what you say and you team up with a company that's actually producing a good product and put you your face as the poster boy or girl, you know, it, 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 looking at what they're doing is it's obviously working. So. I, I yeah, genuinely didn't realize that was the case. <laughs> I, I'd fallen like deep into that trap of going, oh, right, they, they've, they've made their own drink. You know, it's interesting. And I'm sure they, they definitely will have a percentage stake in that business. Yeah. But it's, it, there's a, I watched a, a TikTok the other day where a guy literally did this whole investigation where on the back of the bottle, there's like a, 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 some kind of number that when you search it in the USA, it goes back to a company started by this, this, this billionaire that's got lots of different drinks brands and stuff. It's quite interesting. What, um, like with this respect of like, like product quality, like being so key for like long-term success, how do you approach this kind of situation with clients or, or like potential clients? Like if someone comes to you and you're kind of like, okay, but you don't really know enough about your product yet. Um, how, how do you try to make that work in your head that this can still be a successful kind of partnership to, to kind of embark upon? I mean, to be honest, it, with, with, as, a, like a, as a video and social media marketing agency, we're, normally, we're not usually working with creators. It's the other way around. It's, it's kind of flipping on its head. So we're normally working with companies who have good products. Yeah. And like, we, we'll only want to work with companies that we actually believe have good products because it's our job to then sell that. And if we don't sell that, then it looks bad on us. So usually the, the trouble isn't in convincing them to have a good product. Like we'll only work with them if they do have a good product or service. The challenge is um, supporting them to create an audience of people that care. It is the, the challenge is like putting yourself in a creator's shoes and trying to enable them to act like a creator and start to build that audience. Um, so yeah, that that that's kind of what we're focused on in terms of like how we're supporting them to do that. Um, it's utilizing our experience and our understanding of what kind of social content works um, and, and and having a real uh as someone who like consumes a lot of content from creators that really helps us to then come up with concepts and support brands that are helping them to act like a creator because we're spending a lot of time actually following what creators are doing that that's a key thing actually you know spending time consuming creators content yeah i was going to ask you uh, about this remain remaining on the same note Essentially, is it hard, by the way, to convince uh, your clients to actually 
uh, implement efforts in in social media or start a TikTok uh, account because, for instance, you you need to catch the trend essentially in the early phases. Yeah, there are, for instance, fashion brands. From what I again, from what I read online, that actually benefit benefit from from the actually growth of Instagram. For instance, one of it is it's a UK brand which I read about represent clothing. Yeah, they didn't. They weren't so. I, they, they didn't invest so much in marketing, but they catched the early phases of Instagram. So they they had massive reach in the beginning. Mm. Yeah, I think the answer to that is it depends. Like in terms of the, the uh, answering the question, the difficulty of convincing brands to to implement the kind of social media marketing approaches that we're suggesting. How difficult is that? It depends on the brand. So I'll give you some examples. So for us, trying to convince a corporate B2B brand to do something quite innovative and creative is a lot more difficult than convincing a startup that's got a really cool product for Gen Z. Um, so there's like a sliding scale. And I guess uh, this is a quite a common question I get asked actually is like, we're trying to, because something I haven't mentioned is our agency focuses on producing really creative content. One of the key things we've been known for is like advertainment or entertaining advertising. So having really creative content that's fun and makes people laugh, but also helps sell a product or service. So trying to convince, and some of it, a lot of it's kind of tongue in cheek and kind of on the mark sometimes. So trying to convince a B2B corporate brand to do that, it can be challenging. The, the tip I always give is provide whoever you're trying to convince to do this type of marketing. If it's your, your boss, your CMO or your head of marketing, provide evidence and case studies showing how other similar brands have done it. So for example, like uh, on our website, you'll see a case study. There's there's a B2B brand that we've we've helped produce this type of content for. We've just secured a one million pound contract through running LinkedIn ads using this type of creative content. Um, so, and there'll be tons of other case studies that other agencies have worked on and stuff, but like go to your, whoever you're trying to convince with those case studies and examples to say, hey, look, here's what Dollar Shave Club did. And they sold razor, razor blades, which is a boring product. We sell boring products. Why don't we try something like that? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the easiest way to convince someone, just show evidence that it works. I guess it's also a bit like the balance between like, like immediacy and like long-term strategies. Because if you look at the podcast, for example, and you can probably like talk about this more than I can, is I know Stephen Bartley released something recently where he was like, this was the podcast growth mm. for like two and a half years and then ping, it jumps up. And therefore it's really hard to kind of figure out why and where and how that happens. I guess with some of the stuff you do, it's it's like it is a campaign. It has more of a kind of immediate impact on actual business metrics as well. Yeah, you're exactly right. It, it is that balance of of you know when is it time to realize that something didn't work? How long should you do something until you sort of give up on it? And for us with the podcast, similar to Stephen Bartlett, for a whole year we lost a lot of money. We, we put a lot of resource into making, trying to make the podcast work to attract new customers for our agency and it didn't work. It only, only a year later did we get our first six figure contract. And then since then it's been an ongoing flow of that, that happening. So I guess for us, the, the thing that kept us sticking to the podcast is, um, first of all, seeing signs along the way that it was moving towards that goal of it actually driving business like looking at the metrics look at looking at how many people were downloading it looking at how long they were spending listening to it to ensure that people did actually 
enjoy listening to the podcast you know looking at the feedback from people um we had all these metrics along the way that kind of showed us like oh people do enjoy listening to this we just need to keep trying to improve it and uh yeah improve what we're doing um so yeah if you're listening to this or watching this and you're thinking how do i know when it's time to give up with something i'd just check along the way that that the metrics are showing that it's moving towards that that kind of end goal in terms of like campaigns for brands um yes you can have uh a, a quicker wins basically like for example working with a brand like wall so we worked with one of the, one of the longest running male grooming brands wall for years now when they came to us and they've obviously got a brand that's over a hundred year old, a hundred year old, very established brand that's in every retailer you would have heard of. It was for us, it was uh, generating instant sales with what we were doing was easier than if a completely new startup that no one's ever heard of came to us. But at the same time, their expectations are higher. Like if we just sold a few hundred of their products, they wouldn't be happy. We have to sell thousands and thousands, which we do, to ensure they're happy and ensure they're getting a good return on investment. So it's it's that balance, really. Um, yeah. Super stuff. Because you mentioned also metrics and uh, you're juggling with so many campaigns and launching so many campaigns. By the way, are you doing uh, more on the content creation side of things or you're handling also paid ads? Yeah, we do both. I guess both. the bigger chunk of what we do is content creation, but we also manage paid ad campaigns as well. Yeah, I see. Because I wanted to to ask you, let's say, give me top three analytics or metrics or KPIs, however you want to call it, which you are looking uh, closely at when you're launching something. Good question. I guess it, it, it depends on what the objective of the campaign is. Um, but, uh, you know, like, e-commerce campaigns we're looking at return on ad spend um uh things like uh linkedin lead generation we're looking at click-through rates how long people are watching the content for i mean there's a whole range of analytics that we're looking at it really depends on what the objective is you know like if um we're looking to drive traffic to a website we're looking at like cost per click i mean there's yeah it varies really depending on what the objective is of the campaign um Another thing, are you also uh, operating in the area of optimizing websites or optimizing the actual experience of users online with your clients as well? We're not, that's not something mm -hmm. that we offer as a service, but what we'll always do is, uh, you know, say we're setting up a new campaign to drive e-commerce sales. If we look at a company's website and it doesn't look uh, well optimized to drive conversion then we will provide guidance but we'll also say we recommend you optimizing this landing page because it's not going to work as effectively as it could um, and also we can look at data from the campaign to see if people are landing on the page and then bouncing off or you know using heat maps to see where they're clicking on and where they're dropping off so um, yeah that's not something we actually offer ourselves but it's definitely important to for that for the kind of whole campaign does the creative like flow sometimes like go all the way from the actual initial you know the video campaign or whatever the campaign may be into the kind of landing page even the follow-up itself as well so it becomes more of a kind of you know like long like longer thing if you like yeah yeah it, yeah it it does in in a lot of cases so for example we recently did um a campaign with wall in collaboration with peaky blinders and we produce a whole range of creative assets, high quality photos, videos, image ads, and all of it kind of 
uh, flow together and there's a specific landing page which which used similar visuals and imagery that we'd used throughout that whole campaign at the awareness stage at the trust building stage and at the kind of call to action stage so yeah it can definitely help when when a whole campaign ties in together um uh, because people will like subconsciously feel like they already have seen or they're already aware of what you're showing them rather than it being very disjointed perfect so obviously working with so many clients and on your on your day-to-day basis by the way are you are you guys uh, working in the office or you have also some remote people around or um we're mainly in the office yeah okay um got it because i'm i'm asking because uh, my next question would be uh how much does technology uh play uh, in your life or if you have any pieces of software you're using on a daily basis let's say personally and then also professionally yeah. as well it plays a huge part i mean like i think it does in most people's lives now so i'll give you a few examples so anything from um uh from our marketing and our sales so we use software like hubspot to manage our our sales and crm system we use social platforms to attract new customers we use slack to communicate with our customers and with each other um uh we use whatsapp for communication as well we used soft we use software like um buzzsprout to host our podcast chartable to look at our analytics for our podcast i mean there is everything we do is is using software and and technology in in some kind of capacity i mean creating the content that we edit the videos that we edit we're using software um so so yeah there's it really is a, a huge kind of part of our life um like i'm sure it is for for most people nowadays are you are you the kind of person or is there someone kind of within your team um who's kind of taken this very like obsessive approach to like checking metrics like constantly like a lot of those creators we talked about at the beginning the mr beast and people like this mm-hmm. that they kind of really obsess over certain kind of uh, indicators like would you say you've gone to that kind of extreme Um I'd say probably not as 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 well as him because he's he's got like 100 million plus subscribers but definitely a key part of what we do now is is focused on that. So we have we have like a weekly meeting where we look at all of our analytics and and present that to the team. We actually use we've actually just created a new dashboard that integrates all of our we're trying to look for a dashboard that integrates everything from social and our podcast data and that kind of thing. We've we've used a cool tool called Dash This. um which allows us to have everything on kind of like a main dashboard where we look at that week in week out and we we analyze how everything's performing if if it's performing well why is it performing well what 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 pieces of content perform better than others how can we emulate that success or maybe why is it not performing well and what do we need to do to change that and the good thing about having a weekly meeting so we did a podcast on this recently the entrepreneurs operating system which is a a system and way of operating your business that we've started to implement one of the sorry one of the key things it talks about is having like a a weekly pulse meeting where you're looking at how things are performing rather than having like a monthly meeting so 12 times a year you're looking at how are things going every single week we're looking at performance so that we can make changes on a weekly basis rather than on a monthly one so we may see one week oh this week we've actually got 60% less views on TikTok and traffic to our website from LinkedIn or whatever whatever and we can think why is that what have we done or not done that is that is affecting that and what actions do we need to take next week and then we set actions each week we set who's responsible for that and then we review those actions the week after so this is definitely something we've we've started doing in the last year or so and getting better at we've obviously always looked at analytics but we're 
we're now seeing how important it is. And I'm sure you guys can talk more about the importance of, of looking at analytics. But for us, it's definitely really important. And we're, we're striving to get better at that as well. Yeah, for us, it's, I mean, it's a central part. Even Matt, I think you can add also some, some stuff about, about this as well. But definitely in each campaign, KPIs for us are massively important. For instance, I remember one of the, our first campaigns since me and Matt working together. I think he can talk about this as well. But essentially, we created these landing pages. And the first thing we, we looked at after launching the campaign was actually video recordings to see how people are interacting with this landing page. If you, Matt, want to mm. add your two cents on, the, on this one. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of like a disaster, like first campaign in a way, like a, like a glitch. Because I'm a, I'm mm. a bit of an obsessive when we launch a campaign looking at all the metrics. And mm. over the weekend, I kind of switched on in the morning um, to kind of look how it was performing this landing page. And I was like, hang on, that, that, that hasn't gone up very much. <laughs> like yeah. yesterday. And then I looked at some session recordings from our platform. And I noticed that people were completing the form, pressing the call to action button. And then the mouse was still kind of wiggling around a lot. Like something's not really? quite right here. Mm. And so um, I actually spoke to support from the CRM and they found out there was a problem with, with, with the actual CRM itself. And that's why people weren't able to actually click the, the call to action. So yeah, then you can obviously make an improvement and change that and save your yeah, weekend. Yeah, because otherwise, I guess you could end up spending a load of money sending people to a landing page that isn't working and wasting that money. So, so doing that is really key, right? Absolutely, yeah. I was asking, I was asking this because uh, essentially when you're mentioning analytics, lots of the people are thinking about statistics, but actually analytics is more, more about having a holistic or more, or more, or a more comprehensive, sorry, uh, approach, looking at behavior as well, heat maps, video recordings, conversion funnels. So you should have a, like a 360 view. It's not about analytics anymore. That's why we are, you're pushing this concept of uh, website intelligence as well. Uh, and I wanted to, to ask yeah. you as well. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're, oh, I was, I was just gonna say you're, you're making me feel like we need to do a better job of that as well. Cause I, I don't, we're not like website intelligence experts or anything. We, we, but, um, so you saying all this stuff is like, man, we should really start looking at more heat maps and stuff on our website. And I wouldn't worry. Uh, we're still in the same boat, believe it or not, okay, <laughs> believe it or not, we're still evolving our own strategy to make sure that we're doing this enough as well. So it's interesting. What you said I feel actually. slightly better. Yeah. This whole dashboard view is something we're implementing too. This whole weekly, like kind of idea is something that really appeals to me as well. So yeah, I think everyone, regardless of where they're working is, is still trying to, you know, get the, the right amount of overview when it comes to data. I think this is a key thing as well. Like we should all understand that we're all constantly learning. I feel like sometimes, in, especially in the marketing space and business owners feel like they need to act like they've got everything sorted. I definitely haven't. We definitely haven't. We're rubbish at lots of stuff, but we're, we're, we're you know, we're trying to figure it out along the way. And um, yeah, it's, it's a fun journey. It reminds me a little bit of, and this is probably another story that you've, you've, you've discussed so many times, but I really like it. This, this whole idea of when you and Lloyd first went to a, um, like events, like uh, like exhibition, like suited and booted, <laughs> looking to network. <laughs> yeah, and then kind of realizing we always no. said that. Yeah, we said it before in the podcast, but there was like a graph. Like imagine the x and y axis, and and the y axis is like how smartly we dressed, and the x is like how how much we actually knew about marketing. And yeah, when we dressed smart, we really didn't know a lot. I think we were trying to compensate with how little we un understood about marketing and business by dressing smart, but. Um, now we dress a lot more informally, so I hope we know a bit more. <laughs> also, insisting a, a bit on this note about uh, technology, what about in terms of the, your personal life? Is there any 
secret sauce, let's say, uh, which Dan uses in order to optimize himself or to, I don't know, even educational platforms maybe you're using on a daily basis or? Good question. I think, um, I guess a lot of the, so if people actually, I tell you what, the best way for people to, to see what's helping me and uh, optimize my life and what we're learning from, we do a weekly email newsletter called the Friday Club, where every, every week I uh, look at all of the best podcasts, tools, apps that we've learned from or used that week that's really helping us. And we put it on into that newsletter um, and it changes on kind of a weekly basis. Um, I guess I don't, uh, I do... I do try and actually stay a little, little bit away from technology when I'm not working because I spend so much time on using technology. I guess when I'm at home, I want to try and spend time with my kids and my fiance and stuff. So I actually, rather than thinking like, what can I use that's going to optimize my life? I'm more like trying to think, what what can I do to not look at stuff like that? Um, so yeah, I, I guess, yeah. I don't have any a good answer to that in terms of tools I use to optimize my life because other than like I guess my my calendar is because I'm rubbish at remembering stuff just everything I do our team laugh at us because I have random things like Dan's dentist appointment that they can see on our work calendar and I'm like that's because everything I do I have to have scheduled because I won't remember anything otherwise what um you kind of touched upon this a bit but uh, in terms of like what's next i guess for Knowlton and what's next for you specifically what are the kind of key things that you're you're focused on both like personally and as an agency for the next like 12 18 months or so so a big big focus for us is our positive impact plan so so we we spent the first probably four or five years of business trying to uh figure out what we were doing basically try trying to figure out what was our value proposition to the world and uh, scaling that up to a point where we we knew what we were doing and you know we had this model and we, we have that now like we've proven that our approach to marketing works and we've got lots of great case studies with some of the biggest brands in the world so we got to that point and we've still got a long way to go in terms of growing as an agency but we got to that point of we actually want to have a bit of a bigger impact on the world than just making money and like you know supporting our team so we mapped out this our positive impact plan which is focused on a few key areas of of you know, how can we have uh, the most positive impact on our people here, um, our wider community, the planet, so that so we have like a positive impact crew within the company that meets every two months and looks at everything we're doing as an agency. What can we do to have a more positive impact? So, for example, things like uh, a few weeks ago, a couple of our team went to my old secondary school and uh, was like exhibiting and uh, like a careers fair thing to support to support younger people to get into the industry. Um, other things like we we offset all of the carbon for our projects now. So whenever we're delivering a project for a client, we work out the, the impact and then offset that. Um, other things like small changes in our office, like changing our light bulbs to LED. And we've actually, there's a page on our website. If you go to our website, noltonmarketing.co.uk, there's a, there's a, at the top, there's a tab called sustainability that outlines everything we do and all the actions we're taking after each of those meetings to really try and ensure we're having the biggest positive impact on us, our people, our clients and the planet. Um, so what's our, what's our biggest focus right now? It's implementing that plan and continuing to strive to be better. Um, that that's that's our big focus at the moment i really like as well i saw um i don't know when it was now maybe three four weeks ago there was some comment on linkedin you know as there always can be that was kind of challenging a little bit 
some element of this sustainable approach. And again, like this is, again, I guess, an element of kind of growing in public or being very honest and open. You responded very openly that this is a journey you're on. And okay, maybe we're not perfect yet, but this is a, a real kind of goal that we have. Yeah, so just to give context for that. So a lot of the content we produce, which has helped us grow, is content that sort of takes the piss out of things in to do with our industry. So stupid things that are going on in the marketing world or the business world. We, we, we basically made a video that, that poked fun at greenwashing and how brands are like acting like they're doing good stuff when they're not. And, you know, we've been since 2018, 2018 was when we started to, to really focus on this and we've kind of scaled that up more recently. Um, but we've been doing things since 2018, offsetting carbon, planting trees, taking action since 2018, but we'd never publicly spoken about it that much until more recently when we really started to scale things up we've started to actually speak a lot more about it publicly and we got caught sort of challenged by someone who's uh runs a, an agency focused on sustainability and they sort of said you're taking the piss out of greenwashing but we think you're greenwashing you know what are you actually doing to have a positive impact and we were do we are doing lots of great stuff but we hadn't actually publicly communicated yeah. it ironically because we didn't want to be seen as greenwashing so what we've since done is um we've since created that page on our website that transparently maps out everything that we've been doing since 2018 and everything that we're continuing to do we also had um an independent uh audit done on on our company um which you can see some of the comments on on there that, that actually say that uh, in terms of the size of our business we're sort of pioneers in 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 having that positive impact which you can see on that sustainability page so yeah it was interesting i like you say publicly doing doing this in such a public way and growing in a public way and being open about what we're doing does open us up to criticism but as long as i think our key thing is intent as long as we're actually doing what we say we do we can sleep at night knowing that if anyone challenges us we can openly say well we said that because we're doing xyz you know rather than just saying stuff and not doing it to look good we we feel comfortable because we know we're doing what we say we do. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like you said before as well, like there's just no need for anyone in any business, but I guess especially marketing maybe, um, to claim to have everything kind of locked down. Everyone's growing mm -hmm. and evolving. And if you, t if you take a leap like this, okay, maybe at some stage you're challenged, but then you know, you're openly saying, okay, well, we'll, we'll do even more and we'll, we'll make it more exactly. public. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like you said before, we're on this journey um, and we're not perfect, but we're trying to continually improve. And I think that's what everyone should be doing, trying to trying to be their best and, and go from there. I mean, Dan, really, congrats on all of your action. I think you can be viewed as, as a role model, especially that you're actually operating in this digital sphere and everything is so so visible. I think many, even young people can, can look up to you. And by the way, because we are ask, asking this uh, question to many, many of our uh, guests, what would you say to a young person who would like to go into marketing? Would you would you advise him to actually follow a marketing university, or is good to follow a marketing university? You need to consume some more content around this. What are your thoughts around around this? My advice to them would be become a creator around something you're interested in. So if you if you play football at the weekend, start creating some videos on YouTube or start a YouTube channel about that and what you like about football and don't like about football and your opinion on things. If you're interested in fashion, you know, start a website or a blog that talks about the fashion trends you're interested in. I guess like 
the reason I'm saying that is because I went to university. I spent three years at university. I got a first, but I felt like I didn't learn much about marketing. But sorry, Whereas, sorry what, what did you study? Did you study marketing, actually? Business management with marketing, yeah, at the University of Brighton. Um, and I, after that, yeah, I, I feel like I learned more in the first year of just starting our business and trying to figure everything out, learning how to build our website and building a website, learning how to grow on social and growing on social. Like, but learning by doing is the best approach. If I could turn back the time, other than the great life experience I got, I wouldn't go to university at all. I would start by working at an agency to get the, the like experience from a company that's, that's actually doing it already. And in my spare time, I would create content around things I'm interested in um, and, and, and then eventually set up my own business. Uh, that, that's what I would do. The, the, those guys are going to be like, you know, the, the kind of like CMOs of the future and, you know, the kind of leading people in our industry, I think. The ones who just did something at an early age, they learned, they tested, they tried something new, they grew. And eventually they go into a brand or into an agency and they're just so better armed to kind of deal with the day-to-day. -day. Yes. I, 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 yeah, after university, I, I was not ready to do anything. I think all I'd done was learn how to pass an exam. Yeah. Which just seems stupid, but, uh, but yeah. Cool. Well, it's great advice. And yeah, I, I, it's, it's similar advice to what we've had from others as well. The doing as opposed to the learning approach. So we're on to our yeah. final question, which is the kind of five um, top, what is it? Five top tips, I think we call it, for whatever you decide you want to give those five kind of top tips on. So. Okay, cool. Right. Let's have a think. Um, so uh, obviously listen to the Business Anchors podcast because we, we give a lot more in-depth guidance on lots of things to do with marketing and business and that kind of thing on there. So definitely check that out. Um, I guess a few other key tips that I've learned along the journey is like be patient, uh, which sounds really simple, but I think uh, from my experience, it takes a lot longer than you think to achieve what you want to achieve. I thought that by the time I was 21, I was going to be like a millionaire and all that, you know, I naively thought that. Whereas then I've realized, you know, that's not every what I should be focusing on in the first place, but it takes a lot longer to have any level of success than you think. Um, and obviously listen to all of your podcast episodes, all, all five of them so far. I think, you know, that's going to be really beneficial. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess there's some advice. Yeah. And so a final, question, a final question, because I know it's really popular among other podcasts. Maybe you heard about this question also in other podcasts. Maybe a couple of book recommendations you would, you would make anything which left you a really compelling impression in the last year, last years? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few. I, I actually, I used to read a lot of books and now I listen to a lot more podcasts rather than reading books. But in terms of books that when I was reading books that have been really useful, How to Win Friends and Influence People is a classic by Dale Carnegie or Carnegie. Um, yeah, that's just a really, it's a, it's a fairly short book, but really, really useful. And also recommended um, by uh, Warren Buffett as well. Actually, his first book. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, his first book, well, well, what he read when he went into, into business, he figured out that communication is actually the strongest tool you need to possess whenever you're conducting business or marketing or whatever. Just know how to communicate to other people as well. Yeah, sorry for Yeah, me. yeah. Brilliant. No, 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 that's really good. Yeah, I mean, he's way more successful than me, so definitely <laughs> listen to him. Um, another one, if you're in marketing agency land, there's a really good book called Agency Nomics which is uh, a great book to do with running a marketing agency and all the different elements of successfully doing that, which obviously for us, that was very specific to what we do. So, so definitely check that out. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of others really. There's, uh, I did, I like Stephen Bartlett's book, uh, Happy Sexy Mini. Now I think it is that that's a good book. Read fairly recently. You went to the um, um, the live thing, right? The Dario live. Yes, yeah, that was really good. It was really, yeah. Did you did you go? No, I didn't. No, no. Unfortunately, not. I wasn't. I wasn't in the UK, but I'd love to have gone. And I think it was either something that you wrote or something that I read somewhere else. But like a really like positive review that it was a lot better than expected, basically. Yeah, it was really, really good. He like combined a kind of uh, choir um, and a load of other music and singers and stuff. And it was like a story of his life. And yeah, it was just really good. I'm not a big fan of shows, but I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So highly recommend it. I don't know if he's still doing it or if he's going to do it again in the future, but yeah, definitely recommend it. Super stuff. So unless anyone else would have to would like to contribute with anything uh, we had uh, Dan Knowlton today from Knowlton agency from the UK also host of the business anchors uh, podcast massive massive Dan uh, thank you Dan I think we shared lots of uh, good knowledge with our audience I hope we can see each other in person as well whenever we will be in, in the UK we'll make sure to to pop you a visit as well and uh, guys, uh, don't forget to subscribe. We are on all the podcast carriers from uh, Spotify to Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts, so on and so forth. Don't forget to keep an eye on the analytics. I'll see you soon. Thanks again, Dan. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Dan. Thank you.